This is not in their, in their schedules. I would like you to stand and turn to that page with us this morning, if you would. Page number 58. Page number 58. Let's all sing majesty together this morning. He is worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. Let's sing it out together. Majesty. Turn to page number five now. Oh, worship the king. Page number five. Oh, worship the king, all glorious above. Let's sing it out on that first verse. Oh, worship the king, all glorious above. Good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. Sure glad 
uh, that you are here and uh, good to sing unto the Lord this morning. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer and ask God's blessing on our services this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Rich Raymer back there if you would uh, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, this morning? I, I normally don't take a lot of time uh, to make announcements and things on Sunday morning, but did just want to mention a few things. Of course, we had a great time of outreach uh, yesterday and were able to start canvassing and things for our fall revival. But uh, we do have some leftover uh, flyers and things like that if you would uh, like to invite uh, maybe a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or something like that to our meeting coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Those are available in the outer table there, uh, the outer foyer there on the table. And then also there's some sign-up sheets out there for the desserts that we're going to be having uh, in the uh, Monday night service, following the Monday night service for all the preachers and their families that are going to be here for the Midwest Baptist Preachers meeting that night. And so if you'd be able to help us out with that, we'd sure appreciate that. And then also there's some nursery uh, worker sign-up sheets as well for the uh, preacher's meeting and the revival meeting uh, through the week. Of course, today we start with meals. Uh, we can have Andy's frozen custard now. Amen. Uh, but uh, anyways, you might want to make that your lunch and then skip dinner. I don't know how that works. But anyways, uh, we are starting meals this week. So do just want to encourage you to continue to fast and pray uh, for the revival meeting and pray for Brother uh, Ted. Alexander, who's going to be here with us October the 2nd uh, through the 7th, and excited about uh, that. And then, of course, if you'll notice, there's also some new envelopes back there besides our uh, tithe and faith promise, and these uh, have our parking lot uh, on there, and we're raising uh, money to be able to redo our parking lot and our curbs out there. And so if you could help us out with that, we would sure appreciate that. But wanted to make mention of those things uh, this morning, but it's sure good to be in the Lord's house, excited about what God has for us today. Amen. So let's go ahead and sing another song, brother. Amen. Would you turn to page number 88 with us this morning? Page number 88. I sing the mighty power of God. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page number 88. I sing the mighty power of God
Let's all stand turn to page 186. Page number 186. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Sing it out on that first verse. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know
186. If you lost your page, page 186. We're going to sing out on that third verse. It says, Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Let's sing it out on that third verse. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him. The help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good. say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Brother Tim, come on ahead. As men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from 1 John chapter 2. He says in verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. Brother Gary Waters, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. so glad that Jesus loves me. Aren't you thankful Jesus loves you this morning? Aren't you thankful for the grace of God this morning? Amen. Let's stand up. Turn to page 233. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Page number 233. Sing all three verses for our last song together this morning. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, 
to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder, giving me liberty for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaches me, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus. Deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious. grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled by its transforming power making him God's dear child purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity and the wonderful grace of Jesus Reaches me, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise His name. Amen. Great singing. You may be seated this morning. situations that tug of war at me all day long I struggle for answers that I need then I come into his presence and all my questions become clear And for a sacred moment No doubt can interfere In the presence of Jehovah God Almighty Prince of Peace 
troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the Just look away and breathe his name. He will come and meet you there in the presence of Jehovah God Almighty. Troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Troubles vanish, hearts are mended. Uh, boy, he's everything we need, isn't he? Everything we need. And I'm sure thankful he is everything that we need in salvation. Amen. Well, sure glad that you're here uh, this morning and, and want to invite you to Romans in, in chapter number 3 this morning. The book of Romans in chapter number 3. And, and do want to ask you if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand. And, and so, certainly the Lord knows those things, but boy, it's just good to give reverence and, and honor to God's Word. Amen. Romans in, in chapter number 3 this morning, and actually going to pick up in verse number 19. We'll go back and look at some things here later on, but look at verse number 19 this morning of Romans in chapter number 3. <clears throat> now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law, 
is the knowledge of sin. But now, oh, I like that. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And notice this, it's unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, talking about Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Well, and just in case you didn't get it, look at verse 27. Where is boasting then? Well, it is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. <laughs> You're saved this morning. There's nothing really you can brag about. Because you didn't save you. He saved you. Then look at verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is, is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Amen. amen. You be a Gentile this morning. You all say amen right there. He says, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. What a blessing. What a blessing. You kind of look at this this morning. It's how I would, if I could say it like this, kind of summarize the text this morning is this, is that not only does it conclude chapter 3, but really I would say this, it concludes everything that Paul has been dealing with since chapter 1. See, universally speaking, man is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God as our text bears out, but both the Jew and the Gentile. And so as a result of his sin, he will stand in judgment of God Almighty. And, and you understand, he cannot blame God for his circumstances or, or the choices of his life. Paul's already made that very clear that all are sin, uh, all are sinners, and we're simply guilty before God, period. Every one of us, Jew or Gentile, without excuse. Now, that's the bad news. It's the bad news. But there's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. The good news. This is God's plan. God has a plan for man's salvation. It's the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And it's God's plan for, for man to be redeemed through faith in Him. That's what chapter 3 uh, finishes up on. I, I just simply titled the message this morning, This God's Plan of Salvation. Aren't you thankful God had a plan? Well, if you're a part of it this morning, listen, let, let me, there's this, there's this mentality of this that, that the preaching of God's Word should be something of, 
of an entertainment and speak to us as to where we're at in our circumstances of life, no matter where that may be. But but I just I want you to be careful of those things this morning because you may be here this morning and be saved and say, well, this I'm I've already got this, and, and so this has nothing to do with me. Be careful of that spirit and that attitude. Because though you may be saved, there may be some around you who are not saved. And boy, if anything, what they need to see is a testimony of somebody rejoicing in their salvation and being in agreement with God's plan and that they've, they've take, partaken of, of God's plan and been saved. And so be careful of that this morning. But God does have a plan for your salvation. And really, I would say this, the question is then this, are you part of that plan? Has there been a time and place where you really, where you called on the Lord? And you trusted Christ as your Savior by faith because if not, then today needs to be that day of salvation. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Just, just a blessing to preach the gospel. But let's also, as God's people, make sure that we approach it in the right spirit and the right manner. Boy, I'm telling you, if anything, we ought to rejoice a tremendous amount today in God's goodness and grace towards us. Father, would you bless the preaching this morning? Thank you for it. And God, just please use me and and lead me this morning in the preaching of your gospel. Lord, I, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone that would be here this morning and not know Christ as their Savior. I, I pray that you would use me this morning to simply expose the Scriptures, make them clear, uh, Lord, as to where we stand before you. But, oh God, what you've done for us so that we can be forgiven of our sin and receive eternal life. Would you bless now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. I want you to look down with me just quickly, if you would, at verse number 22. It says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And then I want you to notice this. It's unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And I really like that phrase. In fact, fact, in his book, Basic Bible Truths, Dr. Lester Hudson he actually cited this verse and, and, this, and this, uh, this little thought here, this truth right here, and began to really just give a wonderful illustration to demonstrate it. And I just thought that I would kind of start the message out this morning with that. And I probably used it before as we've gone through basic Bible truths here as a church, but I just believe it's a real blessing. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I typically, when I, when I go and shop for, you know, my... Um, you know, our meat or, you know, what we're going to maybe put in the, the smoker or on the grill at home. I, don't, I go to Price Chopper there uh, in Gardner. I don't know where you use, maybe use somewhere different. I know Hy-Vee has a wonderful uh, meat department as well, but that's who we use. And, and, and so let's just say next Saturday, Price Chopper is going to be offering free T-bone steaks from 9 a.m. to noon. So now if you're a man, that ought to have your attention right there. Amen. It's Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? In fact, each customer is allowed up to 10 pounds of meat, and it's all going to be free. Now, I'm a carnivore. Amen. You vegetarian people, y'all just need to read your Bible, number one. But number two, you look a little peaked, you need to eat some meat. Amen. Help you. So you, you can imagine that if that really happened, that would have, I'm just, listen, that would have... My attention, in fact, I was thinking about next Saturday, we'll be at the Baptist Men's Recharge, but I might leave early. I mean, I, I'm just, I'd be making plans if that were to happen. But, but you also got to understand this, there would be all types of reactions if this 
to this free gift, wouldn't would there, that people would have. I, I would venture to say, many of you would be thinking like, well, right off the bat, there'd be skepticism by some. Come on, there'd be those who would maybe see the ad on TV and, and say to themselves, this is too good to be true. And there must be some fine print somewhere because, because all of us have experienced those kinds of situations where we were tricked into thinking something, but come to find out, you know, it was something entirely different due to some slick advertising. I, there would be some who would probably get sidetracked on it. They'd think, man, that's incredible. That's a great deal. I want to be a part of that. And they would have intentions to do that but somewhere along the way they'd get sidetracked with with things they'd want to go take advantage of that free state but they they would get busy and they would miss out i would say this there'd even be some they'd just be flat out too busy they'd see the ad and go man that's a great deal i want to take advantage of that but but little johnny's got a ball game or i got to work or something else is going on in fact i'd say this there are those who'd want to take advantage of it but they get discouraged when they pull up to Price Shopper and they see the lines going outside the building and in the parking lot. You'd probably see me standing there waving because I'd be in line. And again, I want you to notice the truth there of Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 because he says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, he says, it's unto all and it's upon all them that believes. So this righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, notice this, it's available to all. Catching that? It's available to all. And really, when you think about it, Paul is returning back, if you will, to the thought of chapter number one. And go back there with me and look at verse 16 and, and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And notice he says in verse 17, for therein, talking about the gospel in verse 16, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And so now we find that this righteousness of God that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is available unto all. Every one of us that are here this morning, you're listening through live stream, every person, it's available unto all. Somebody say amen. It's available unto all. But if you'll notice, though, it goes on and says this, but it's only upon all, see, them that believe. Did you catch that? In other words, it's only upon all, it's only upon those that have taken advantage of that, uh, that availability and they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to save them, see? And the reason that I'm, I'm telling you all of this is because those same reasons as to why people wouldn't partake of that ad or that free stake is exactly the same reasons as to why many do not partake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's available unto all but it's only upon all them that believe. And I'm just telling you, a lot of them, listen, there are already those, and by the way, there will be and there already are skeptics. Whether it be the simplicity of the plan of, of salvation, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, or down to the truth that God even exists, man is filled with skepticism in our day and time. And in fact, the book of Romans has already dealt with much of this, and Paul has already exposed these things. Listen, creation 
Creation reveals the general revelation that there is a God. And I'm just telling you this morning, you can believe everything on the internet you want to, but, but evolution is a lie. It is a theory. It has never been truly proven and it never will be truly proven because God is the one that created all things. Man, listen to me. Man is not evolving. Man is devolving in his own immorality and wickedness and sin. Why? Because God's word is true. The more that man rejects God and goes away from God, the more he begins to evolve in his own wickedness and, and evil and sin, just like Romans 1 declared. But by the way, friend, not only that, not only do you have creation, but man has a conscience. That's the law of God written upon his heart in Romans chapter 2. That tells you that there is a God in heaven, but it also shows man that he's guilty before God because man has violated his conscience. Man has caused himself to be guilty before God when he broke the law of God written upon his heart. But I'm just telling you, there's still there's skepticism today. I, I know this. I, when, I, when I got saved, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was the skeptic. I was the one who listened to the man of God stand up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that he died for my sin and was buried and, and rose the, uh, the third day. And, and I'm just telling you, friend, I thought all of those things are, are crazy. And man, that's, uh, listen, I was a skeptic, but praise God, the Spirit of God took the truth of God's Word and showed me that Jesus is the Christ and I was lost and I got saved. But I was the skeptic. And by the way, there's going to be those that are too busy. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, listen, they're, they're consumed with the temporal things of this life. And, and, and they have no idea that the devil has them right where they, they want them. I can, I can remember thinking when I was a kid, listen, I, when I get older, I'm going to go to church like my grandparents and all this. Stuff. Listen, I'd, I'd have never went been in church had I not got saved. Because look, people get wrapped up in the temporal things of this life and the entertainments and the hobbies and the recreation and this and that and the other. And they get caught up in those things and they have no idea, friend, that after this life there's another one to come. But you must prepare for it in this life by receiving the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And then there are those who are discouraged by what they see in others. And probably like you, I, I would venture to say many in this room could testify. Yep, I, re I met someone who said, you know, they started talking about their bad experience they had with religion. And so as a result, they don't want anything to do with God or anything to do with the gospel or church anymore. And I realize in some of those instances that their, their claims might be true and they did get hurt and it was a wrongdoing. But I also know this, that sometimes people just in our generation tend to whine and gripe about everything anyways. But regardless of the situation, I said regardless of the situation, you need to understand this, that if you've been hurt, please catch this, you need to understand you're not called to follow man, you're called to follow Jesus Christ. And you better make sure that you're safe. Don't let others keep you from what God wants you to have in His Son. But maybe it is you're just mad, griping about everything. Oh, those bunch of hypocrites down there at church. Well, let me help you with that. You too are a hypocrite. 
You know why? Because we're all a bunch of sinners that need to be saved. Listen, what what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. Please catch this. Is that God has a plan for your salvation. Is everybody catching this? That you're a sinner. You're condemned before God. You're going to stand before Him in judgment. But God loves man and sent His only begotten Son. He's got a plan. But what I'm saying to you is this. That whatever the reasons are, don't miss out on God's plan. Don't miss out on it. And I'm just giving you a few typical reasons as to why. It's available unto all, but it's only upon all them that believe. And this is really why this is so important. I want you to, I want you to catch this with me. What happens is Paul begins to deal with some things here. Certainly the first thing that I see is this, is that there's a pronouncement against man. And, and though we started reading in verse 19, I would say this, this indictment doesn't... It really goes all the way back to where we left off with in verse number 9 uh, last week. And, 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 and the, the Apostle Paul had, had just explained to the Jews that they had an advantage over the Gentiles and that they had the Word of God. But the problem was this, is that the Jews were using what they knew about God through His Word to try and twist things and make God the one at fault. So Paul deals with that. But beginning in verse number 9... Paul begins to pose more questions. Look look at what he says in verse number 9. He says, what then? Are we better than they? And he's talking again about the Jews and the Gentiles. He says, no, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And, And so, though the Jews have the advantage of the Word of God, they're not better than the Gentiles. They had the advantage, but they're not better. No, all are under sin. All. Did you catch that? All. Then beginning in verse number 10, notice how it continues. He says, as it is written. Oh boy, here we go. See, what he happens is this, is that he begins to quote Scripture to back up his argument. I mean, after all, it's truth, right? Come on, it's absolute truth, the Word of God. So he begins to do these things. Look at what he says. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. It's a quote of Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, and Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. They both say the same thing. These are what we would call the four nuns. Not Catholic nuns. Not N-U-N-S. N-O-N-E-S. There is none that doeth good. There is none righteous. There, there is none that understandeth. See my catch this? There is none that seeketh after God. None. It's an indictment. No. Mm. Go, go with me to Psalm 14 in your Bibles. Look at, look at this. Look at this. Psalm 14. Let's do a little Bible study, all right? Psalm Psalm 14. Remember I said it's a quote of Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. Look at it, look at it. Verse number 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They're all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Do you notice something? 
Do you notice verse number one says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. That's not in Romans 3. It's missing. Is everybody with me? It's missing from Romans 3. But it's not missing from Romans. Is anybody catching this? Because really, Paul already dealt with that in Romans chapter 1. Come on, didn't he say, no, no, no. Now, now leave Psalm 14 and go back to Romans chapter 3. Now flip back a page or so and look at Romans chapter 1 in verses 22 and 23. He says, professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to bird and four-footed beast and creeping things. Come on, this, what I'm saying to you is this, is that all of this in, in verses 9 all the way down to verse number 13, or actually verse number uh, 18 is an indictment against the Gentile people who have denied that there is a God. And much like chapter 1, chapter 3 is the result of man having, the, having rejected the truth that there is a God in heaven. Look at, look at, chap, go back to chapter 3. You there in chapter 3? So notice, he begins, he begins to quote all of these scripture from Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So as a result, there's none righteous. There is none that understand. There is none that seek. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And here's the result. Look at verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 is a quote of Psalm 5.9. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their uh, lips. And then verse 14 is a quote of Psalm 10 verse 7. Uh, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Well, what does that mean? Well, that, here's what it means. It means this, that when a person makes an inward decision to deny the truth that there is a God, one of the first places that will be evident is in the things that they say. They will, they will begin to speak lies and their mouth will be filled with cursing and anger and bitter... Oh, come on. Do, do we need to spend a little time and look out there to see evidence of that? When I Listen, I, this past Thursday I, had the, I got the privilege to go to my first Chiefs game in Arrowhead Stadium. Crazy man, I tell. Listen, I mercy, son. It got wild when the, when they did that when they got that pick six, and the guy ran it back ninety nine yard. We were screaming like girls at an Elvis concert, son. I'm telling you, it was wild. But I'm gonna tell you something else. You know what was very evident was not just the loudness of the people, but was also the things that they said. Some of the most vile and wicked things that would come out of their mouth. Somebody. And I can remember, I can remember when we got done and, and we, were, we were standing there at the vehicle and, and, and I was talking with Brother Eric and I said, I said, you know, to my shame, I said, I, I can remember before I got saved, that was, that was my language. That was, that was what I said. Those were the things that came out of my mouth. I'm so thankful I got saved and God cleaned those things up. But I'm just telling you, that was the stuff that came out. But you know this, you know, listen, I remember coming up as an 18, 19 year old man and, and, and learning construction and I remember the guys around me were pretty old school. 
And, and, and I can remember, you know, if you used any kind of foul or crude language around a woman, man, those guys would get all after you. Son, they'd take you out back and wear you out. They were old school. But do you know that nowadays the same filthy garbage comes out of women just like it does men? So, preacher, what are you getting at? Do you not understand that that's the end result of having generation after generation believe the lie of evolution and deny the truth that there is a God? And once that begins to happen, everything becomes open and all the junk that's within man's heart begins to reveal itself through his mouth. In fact, he begins to go on and begins to describe other things that, that happen when man does this. When, man, when the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Look at verse 15. He says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Boy, that's happening in our day and time, isn't it? Come on, destruction and misery are their ways. Boy, how true that is. People are miserable. I said they're miserable. Go to Walmart. Miserable. And look, look at verse 17. He says, In the way of peace have they not known. They, they don't know peace. They don't have any peace. Man, they're, they're miserable and they're worn down and, and they're eat up with destruction and, and misery and, sweet, and feet swift to shed blood, fighting and murdering and, and those kind. All of this is a quote from Isaiah 5 or 59, 7 through 8. Look at verse number 18. And again, this is a quote from Psalm 36, 1. He says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Man has no fear of God or his judgment because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Mark it down, friend. When you part from this life into the next, you'll believe there is a God then. But what I believe is that Paul is trying to conclude here is that the Gentile man is a sinner. He may reject the truth of God's existence, but as we saw in last week's message from verse 3, man's willingness to believe or not to believe doesn't determine the truth of God's Word. God's Word is true. God does exist. Whether man wants to acknowledge that or believe that or not. And if you decide to acknowledge the truth of creation and the conscience of, of, of your heart and that God does exist, well then you need to know that there is an indictment already made against you. You are a sinner before a holy God. The condemnation of God abides upon you right now. That's what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 3. It abides upon you already. Look at verse number 19 though. See, Paul once again turns his attention to the Jew in 19 and 20. He says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The Jews, again, are God's chosen people. They know He exists. I said they know He exists. They have His Word. However, there is still an indictment against them because they too are sinners. How, 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 how do you know that? Well, through the law. Because the law, through the law is the knowledge of sin. I like what Paul called it when he was writing to the Galatians. He said, the law is our schoolmaster. In other words, it teaches us, it shows us, catch this, it shows us the standard for God's holiness. That's what it does. 
It shows us, listen, in just in the Ten Commandments alone, you and I can see what God expects from mankind. That we would have no other gods before Him. That we would not steal. That we would not murder. That we would not bear false witness, which is the lie. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because the idea is this, not only does it show us His standard of holiness, but it also shows us that we come short of His glory. And Paul concludes, listen, through the law, no flesh can be justified. No man can keep the law. No man can. And no man, listen, and no man, no, 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 listen, and no man can attempt to keep it now because he didn't keep it and to make up for when he didn't keep it in his past. Come on, that's what the Jews were doing. Well, I done, I done bad here, so I'm going to keep the law here. I'm going to do these things. Be a fact, we've got over 900 and something commandments that we made up outside the law that we're doing to prove that we can be righteous before God. And what Paul is saying is this, you're not. You're not. Be be a fact, even in Christendom today, we've got our own things. I said in Christendom today. Well, if you'll get baptized, or or if you'll join the church, or if you'll you'll give some money, or or if you'll partake of the Lord's Supper, or, 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 or if you'll, listen, just turn over a new leaf in life. Please catch this. There are no scales in heaven weighing our good with our bad. And so if we do enough good, it'll outweigh our bad. And God will say, okay, you're good. That's not how this works. And so Paul has concluded two very clear things in his indictment against man. Number one, all men are sinners. Jew or Gentile. And number two is this. You can do nothing in and of yourself to change that. That's what he said. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it is. So that's the pronouncement against man, but I like the prospect of hope. I like how verse, oh, I think it's 21 starts out. But now. That's almost like when we're in Ephesians. And he talks about how man is dead in his trespasses and sins. But God. (laughs) I'm just telling you, pretty good time right here to intervene. Because listen, you understand, there's all this bad news and this indictment and these charges against man. That he's a sinner before God. But you understand, though man's condition is hopeless, doesn't mean he's without hope. I said it doesn't mean he's without hope. Though man is a sinner and he cannot rescue himself from the judgment of God, this does not mean he cannot be rescued. He can. Because God sent His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in every instance, listen to this, and in every instance where man is in need beyond himself before God, Jesus Christ meets the need. Look look at this. Let, Let me give you the first thing. Look at verses 21 and 22. He says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Here's what I wrote down. Where man needs righteousness, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. See, righteousness is the standard. The problem is what Isaiah said about man's righteousness. Here's what Isaiah said in 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Do you know what that means? That means you can't do anything to make up for what you did. But see, God has also spoken of the one to come who fulfills all righteousness. And He did this through the law and the prophets, as Paul mentions there, talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. In other words, the Old Testament Scriptures would tell of the Messiah to come who would be the righteousness of God. He would be born of a virgin to ensure that He didn't inherit the sin nature of man. He would be, he would be born... In Bethlehem, he would be of the tribe of Judah and the lineage of David. And he would be sinless and spotless in his life. He would die on the cross, be buried among the rich, and rise again the third day, all according to the Scriptures. There's one that done that. I said there's one that done that. His name is Jesus Christ. Is everybody catching this? Come on, I'm just, listen, be a fact. Be a fact, Paul would say this. Paul would say this to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Here's what he'd say. He'd say, for he hath made him, talking about the Father, talking about the Son, he, for he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, talking about Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Even Isaiah would say it like this. In Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, Jehovah God. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. You know what's interesting? And this ain't even in my notes, but Jesus Christ of the New Testament is Jehovah God of the Old Testament. What I'm saying to you is this, friend, and please get this. And we'll even see this in the next chapter with Abraham. And in verse number 3, look at what it says. It says in chapter 4 and verse number 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for what? For righteousness. In other words, when man realizes his condition before God, and then he comes to God by faith, believing on Jesus Christ, his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, is imputed unto them. In other words, it's established in their spiritual account. Or it's kind of like Isaiah put it. He just covers me in the robe of righteousness. And now when Jehovah God looks upon me, He doesn't see my unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Whew. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Man cannot meet the standard of God's holiness. However, there is one who has. And when we come to Him by faith, His standard is placed upon us. 
So we, so we are found to be in right standing. Listen to this. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, it's all put under the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But it gets gooder. Look at, it, look at verse 23 and 24. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. Look at this. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Here's what I wrote down. Where man is in debt to his sin, Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. Let's go back to verse number 8 with me quickly and look at this. It says this, and not rather, and notice the parentheses here, as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say, and then it goes on to say this, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. See, right here, and we looked at this last week, Paul dealt with this false accusation that some had made towards him and, and the message of the gospel. See, the message of the gospel is the availability of God's grace to, the, to forgive sin. However, some were twisting this to mean that, okay, since we get God's grace when we sin, let's do more sin so that we get more grace. And that's obviously not the idea at all, right? Come on, that's, that's not the idea. The grace of God is not given so that man can continue or even get, uh, live further in sin. Grace is given so that we can live victoriously over sin. If you, in fact, go to Romans chapter 5, and I know we looked at this, but I just, I'm going somewhere, stay with me, because in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, Paul deals with this thought, comes back to this and deals with it. In verse 20 of chapter 5, he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, boy, grace did much more abound. Somebody say amen. And what a great promise that is that, that, listen, that anybody can be saved. No matter where you're at this morning, if you've got a bunch of sin, well, listen, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. But it doesn't mean that, okay, I do more sin so that I get more grace. Because in chapter 6, look at what he says in verses 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And here's the answer, God forbid. In fact, as he closes out the chapter, look at verse 23 of chapter 6. He says this. He says, if you do more sin, the result of more sin is not more grace. He says, the wages of sin is death. It's death. As you and I were there in Romans chapter 3, and you can go back there if you'd like, but you, you've got to understand that, that wages there in chapter 6 and verse 23, and I think we would all recognize that, it's a terminology that's used to express some type of payment. Wages. And in the spiritual realm... It's used to express the debt that we will owe at the end of our life in sin. 
And this word death here is not just speaking of our, of our physical death when the soul departs from the body. It's talking about our spiritual death in hell awaiting the great white throne judgment of God. In fact, hold your place there in Romans chapter 3 and go to Revelation chapter number 20 just quickly. I want you to see something. Just, just, just stay with me here. Romans chapter 20. Look at verse number 11. <clears throat> or I'm sorry, did I say Romans? I, said, I meant Revelation. Sorry about that. Revelation chapter 20. There is no Romans chapter 20. You, we would be here for a while, wouldn't we, looking for that one? So, I need some Andy's frozen custard today, and that will help me to, things to become more clear. Revelation chapter 20, look at verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth, did, the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place for them. And I saw the great, dead, or I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea and the dead, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, watch this, according to their works. There it is again. So man is judged according to the things that he has done. And then it says this in verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Did you catch that? See, when it says the wages of sin is death, that's the death it's talking about. Everybody catching that? No, 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 stay with me. I'm telling you, it's important. It's biblical truth. Don't get mad at me. It's the Bible. But go back to Romans chapter 3 because there's good news. I said there's good news. Come on, because, no, 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 because here's what he says. He says, he says, he says, being justified freely by his grace <laughs> through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, you, you understand that where sin leads to death, and I'm talking about the second death, God sent his son to be our redeemer. And the word redemption right here, here's what it means. Paid in full. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's paid in full. I said the debt that you owe, it's paid in full. It's taken care of. This Therefore, when this life is over, and those of us that are saved, we won't wake up in hell for all eternity. No, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our debt of sin has been completely paid for. Wow. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in hell. I'm thankful for that. But, but mm, there's one more thing. You, re you stay with me. Look at, look, at, look at verse 25 and 26. See, I know when we read this big passage of Scripture, you got nervous. But it's actually going kind of fast, isn't it? Look at verse 25. He says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time 
His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus Christ. Why? See, where men will die in His, where man will die in his sin, Jesus Christ is the replacement for that. The word propitiation mentioned there in verse number 25, it means substitute. Did you know this? This is incredible. And, and if you like word studies, you ought to underline that word. That word propitiation, the Greek word that's used right there, it's only used twice in the Bible. Once here, and then also in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 5. What's amazing about the Hebrew usage, or the Hebrews, in, in the book of Hebrews, it's translated as this, mercy seat. <laughs> okay, you don't get it. See, in the Old Testament law, this was how they covered their sin. Once a year, a spotless, unblemished lamb would be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. And the priest would then go into the Holy of Holies, not without blood. And would take the blood of that spotless lamb and pour it on the mercy seat to cover the sins of the people. It was a substitution. The lamb's blood instead of their blood. Did you ever think about this? Wonder where they got those plans for that tabernacle in the Old Testament and the temple and the Holy of Holies and the showbread and the ark and the mercy seat on top of it. Well, in fact, Hebrews tells us there in chapters 9 and 10 that there's another temple made without hands. A temple in heaven. Is everybody catching this? Come on, it's in heaven. In fact, you can, you can read Revelation, and it's in there. Well, come on. God didn't just make all that stuff off, off the top of His head. He gave a blueprint that was after the one He was in in heaven. Watch this. But then Jesus Christ died for the sins of all mankind. And I believe this. In fact, you can read this in, in the book of John. I read it. I read it this morning because I read his crucifixion, but I couldn't stop there. You've got to read the end of the story. Amen. And be a fact, after his resurrection, Mary Magdalene was there. And he appeared before, but he said this, Don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet to my Father. And he wasn't talking about his ascension that would happen in Acts chapter 1. See, I believe this. I believe he was talking about going to the temple in heaven not made, not made with hands and going into the Holy of Holies there and pouring out his blood upon the mercy seat once and for all. Son! It's not just the lamb's blood for the people's blood. It's the lamb of God's blood. For all boys. And now when you die, <laughs> sure you may go through the physical death, but that's not the end of the story. Amen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. You might go, oh, come on. This is incredible. See, the bottom line is this, where man falls short in everything, Christ takes care of it. He's our Redeemer. 
He's our, he's our substitution, our Savior, our replacement. He's everything that we need. There's an indictment against man. He's a sinner. But, but Christ can take care of it. Man, that's awesome, preacher. So how do I do it? How do, how do, I, how do I get in this plan? Oh, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Because here's how Paul finishes it out. The process of salvation. It's by faith. It's by faith. By simply putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I was 20 years old. I was 20 years old. And I'm so grateful. We were singing that song this morning, Zion's Hill in Sunday school, and I was crying like a baby thinking about my pastor, my wife's grandfather. Got up there every Sunday and every Wednesday and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought it was crazy, man. This guy rising from the dead, skeptic. This is weird. This Bible thing, it's like a comic book or something. It's all made up stuff and weird. Where did, where did y'all come up? Started asking questions. I'm so thankful that the Spirit of God was just in everything. I sat down with my father-in-law and started asking him about the Scriptures and the sky rising from the dead and all this stuff. And he took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And how Paul had testified that he was, I mean, he was seen of the apostles. Paul, as of one born out of due time, he said, be a fact, there were 500 brethren, some of which are still alive. You can go talk to them right now. And they saw him. They witnessed his resurrection. I'm telling you, it was amazing when I read that passage and that, that the Word of God, the Spirit of God just took the Word of God and just, I mean, just began to hit me. It's true. It's true. There is a God. And He died for my sin and was buried and rose again the third day. And I'm telling you, I got under conviction. Because once you realize that He is God, you begin to realize where you are before Him. There's an indictment against you and the condemnation of God abides upon you already. And I remember driving home that night, man, and all I could hear was the Spirit of God going, you going to die and go to heaven or are you going to die and go to hell? I'm glad He spoke in my vernacular so I could understand. Amen. Southern <laughs> vernacular. Well, don't listen. Don't get mad. When Paul says reckon a whole bunch in Romans. Well, I reckon. Reckon yourselves. Amen. And I remember that night getting home and getting to my house and I got on my floor in my bedroom. And I, I can't tell you all the words I prayed because words don't save you. There's no magic words that get you into heaven. I'm just telling you that right now. Well, preacher, I repeated this prayer one, two, three. Four. That's not going to cut it. If the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God's got to be dealing with you and you've got to realize you're a sinner. And all I did was I, I just, I knew I was a sinner and I knew I had Sin before God, and I knew that I needed to be forgiven of my sin, and I needed, I, needed, I needed God to be my Savior, and that's what I was praying. God, forgive me and save me. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, that night, I got saved. Amen. The burden of sin was lifted, and I became a child of the King. I didn't know all the things that had happened to me. I was like the blind man. All I knew was once I was blind, and now I can see. And what a blessing that was. The reason I'm telling you all that is because I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you this. That's, that's faith. Amen. I said that's faith. I didn't go get baptized to get saved. And I didn't go join the church to get saved. Now, I did all those things after I got saved. But I didn't do those things to get saved. Is everybody catching this? I didn't, you know, I didn't start living a, 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 
a more moral life to get saved. I've done that because I got saved. And the Spirit of God now dwells within me. I'm just telling you, that's faith. It's as simple as what Paul said in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's as simple as that. And I love Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's all it is. That's faith. That's how you put, listen, there's an indictment against man. He is a sinner, but God sent His Son so that you can be saved. And the way that you appropriate that or put that into your life is by humbling yourself and calling upon Him by faith. That's the plan of God. Now catch this, catch this. Are you in it? Has there been a time and place in your life, just like there was in mine, where you realized He is God, you are a sinner, and you came to Him and called upon Him by faith. And if there hasn't, then listen to me, and stop being a skeptic. And stop sitting around blaming everybody else. And stop being so busy. Because today needs to be the day of salvation. Today. Let's all stand.